The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. It's time for the John DePietro Show here on News Talk WNRI 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePietro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePietro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePietro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome to the lunchtime. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. It's John DePietro. This portion of our program brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. They're open. They have everything from Valentine's. Hello to Ron and Melissa, folks. Located 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence, right near Providence AAA, where they have the most delicious, fresh cookies, pastry. Try their chocolate-covered donuts. Try the cannolis. Their brownies and cakes and pies. Making pastry great again. And for Valentine's, how about dipped chocolate strawberries? Look for the signs. I'll tell you, there's no one more talented. I used to go, when they would be uh, have a booth at Waterfire, all you had to do was look for the line or, you know, down the street. Because they were in line for Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Ron and Melissa, so talented. Stop it and see them. All right, a little bit out of the way, but worth worth the trip. If you're over in that area, if you're over near Branch Avenue, Silver Spring Street, or maybe you need to go to the, the AAA in Providence, which is right over there, you're right down the street. They're right there, Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Look for the signs, 170-170, Royal Little Drive in Providence. Try, you're cheating yourself if you don't try their cannolis or their chocolate-covered donuts. Amazing. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Well, folks, it is Political Monday. Again, just programming note, I will be tonight in Manchester with Team Trump. So for those, uh, good afternoon, everybody on Facebook Live. We're going to have some great interviews tomorrow if everything goes according to plan. And then uh, if you if you do follow me on Facebook, it's John DePietro Show. Share right now that you're following it. But tonight, uh, right now, anticipate doing a Facebook Live um, behind the scenes uh, backstage, if you will, whatever it is, or during the course of the Trump rally. We'll see. I mean, you just never know. You have to kind of be prepared for the unprepared. I've had sometimes things in motion, and then, you know, many of you know, um, well, we go back to September. There I am, all set to be at the White House, and uh, we're going to be in the Oval Office and everything else, and then suddenly the the whole thing hit with the whistleblower, and then it just completely threw everything off. So anyhow, so we go, and then, but 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 it should be great. So again, if you check, just be checking your Facebook. Someone said, "What time are you going to be?" I, I don't know what time I'm going to be. I mean, what, I don't want to set a time, and then people are like, "Hey, you said you were going to be do it live at seven o'clock." I, I, I don't know, so that's why I'm saying just kind of be on uh, be on the lookout for it. I love these people. Like, well, what exact time are you going to? Oh, okay, what exact time? Yeah, 706. I don't know. I mean, you don't know until you get there. And it's chaotic and the Secret Service and never mind thousands of people. So we'll go with it. But let's bring him on, folks. He is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. And uh, we want to say good afternoon on this Political Monday to Justin Katz. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon, Don. I want to um, start off, Justin, uh, and get your thoughts. Um, last week, I, I thought it was very strategic. It's It's yet another indication of Governor Mundo self-serving, trying to make uh, inroads for herself out of the state. So first we had discussed that Governor Mundo, as much as she's supposed to be the governor, and the state has a lot of problems. I, I would argue that I, I don't think, and I think you would agree, we, we're not even close to seeing some of the economic prosperity that people are seeing in different parts of the country, specifically, obviously, in the in the Boston area, just 50 miles north. But Governor Mundo first announced that she was going to be involved with this new pact, which would bring her to different states, and she would be involved as far as ground game, as far as helping this pact against President Trump um, and be involved with the ground game against that. And then we got notice, uh, really very, very short notice. And I want to take exception um, you know, the, the the Iowa caucus was last Monday, and that was obviously a disaster. And one of the things that happened was, you know, Biden did very, very poorly. Well, I, I was watching over the weekend Lively Experiment. And one of the reasons I watched it is because my sister Donna Perry was on the panel. But the host of Lively Experiment, Jim Hubble, said, well, you know, these things are like weeks in advance. They, they don't just happen overnight. Well, to the contrary, because anyone that's I, I know some people that were summoned last minute to go to last Wednesday 
where suddenly Governor Raimondo, Mayor Mike Bloomberg was coming to town, and then Governor Raimondo was the first one to step up and endorse him. So I take exception with Hummel, this thing of weeks in advance. I, I, that's not the information I have. It would certainly seem as though she saw what happened in Iowa. She saw that it's really uh, Mayor Pete and Bernie Sanders at the top. She is friendly with Bloomberg. She really saw that Biden did not win Iowa. I, I don't think she endorses Bloomberg if Biden wins Iowa because she has been friendly with him. And he came to town to support her for her whole uh, roadworks thing. But um, I think it's I, I'd like to know your thoughts. But to me, it's just it's another example that it's like anything other than doing the job of governor. She seems to be all in on. Yes, that's definitely the first impression you get. So, as you mentioned, she's she's a co-chair of this organizing together pack that's progressives and labor unions across the country and her quote was i'll do whatever they need me to do and now she's endorsed uh, she's a co-chair for for mike bloomberg's campaign again i'll do whatever he needs me to do and it, it means a lot of traveling probably and stumping for him across the country uh and it's it's hard to know when she'll fit in her job as governor uh, with all this going on there's 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 very little i mean that's the narrative coming out of her office right now is i'm i'm engaged fully in national politics and uh, but i think in this case it was probably uh, i'm uh, i think it was probably a quick move from the bloomberg campaign seeing the opportunity of the botching in iowa and they said well let's do something that gets us a a headline um that puts us back as a viable campaign and grabbing a governor, albeit one of the least popular ones in the country, uh, as an endorsement right after Iowa was one way, one way for them to do that. And I think for Raimondo, apart from just getting her in national spotlight, I mean, it's the, the economics of, of this whole campaign game are, are interesting to keep in mind. So they're going to Bloomberg setting up an office with multiple personnel in Rhode Island, um, in large part because she's on board with them and that she gets two of her surrogates now have jobs for the duration of the campaign with the Bloomberg campaign. And she will also be, as she's going around stumping for him, it's not only selling her, selling, trying to sell him as a candidate, she's meeting groups, she's gaining new connections. And one interesting detail here uh, was reported in, I think it was the Hill uh, online ma- magazine. She actually got him in front of the Democrats uh, Democratic Governors Association to, to kind of give a pitch. They're not going to endorse anybody, but uh, so she's definitely actively engaged, and in a way that shows that she, whatever she may have been doing as the governor of Rhode Island, she's definitely as a political operative coming out of Rhode Island, uh, gathered together quite a quite a list of political connections, and uh, it doesn't take much to to conclude that that's really where her focus is and has been for for years. What do you make of the fact that, uh, Justin Katz, that when you look at the field, you have next door Massachusetts Senator, female, Elizabeth Warren. Raimondo didn't endorse her, not on board with her. Um, Former Vice President Joe Biden came to Rhode Island at least twice, uh, especially when he was still even uh, vice president, especially for roadworks. Didn't endorse him. Senator Amy Klobuchar, another female in office, did not endorse her. Even Mayor Pete with, you know, he's got a lot of local support between Mayor Lorzer and the Mayor of Central Falls. They're on board with him. Uh, He has been to Rhode Island. And the fact that Governor Mundo, you know, who likes to point out to everyone, first female governor of Rhode Island, she, um, you know, speaks out. She spoke at the Women's March when President Trump was first elected. And she also, as you you and I know, have that yearly contest just for girls only, Governor for the Day essay contest, where she is always talking about women. She was very much behind Hillary Clinton last time around in 2016. What does it say to you that this time around you have two, two women, females, still in the race, and she's going all in with former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, who has not entering the race until Super Tuesday. And for those that follow his political career, Bloomberg was a Republican, then he became an independent, and now he joins the Democrat Party. So really not, you know, the Democrat credentials uh, that that certainly the rest of the field have. Well, certainly not. Uh, but I think it's a, 
it's cynicism all the way down. I mean, the, the whole idea of first female this, first female that is is a large point a, a an identity politics cynical ploy. I don't know that she brings all that much to a campaign of a woman for president. Uh, in fact, you would almost expect them to look for for a male to be the running mate, um, and probably from some other identity politics. So, two white women running doesn't quite get you uh, the boost that, say, Elizabeth Warren running with a minority uh, man as a as a running mate would get that campaign. And then there's also the the uh, just the opportunity of. I mean, trying to figure in the wind, you, you mix together Mike Bloomberg's wealth, his ability to pour. I mean, he's averaging, what, hundred something like $100 million a month in spending. Uh, that's a lot of, a lot of gushing blood uh, for, for political mosquitoes to be trying to soak up. Uh, so there's opportunity there. And she, her brand has also been as, as progressive as both she and Mike Bloomberg are. Her, her, her brand is relatively moderate compared with you know the far left socialists, and Elizabeth Warren, in particular, has has been trying to compete for that farthest left of of the field of candidates. So I, I don't know that any of those were really a, a fit for either the political or the uh, cynical versions of, of where she's going. As for Buttigieg, you know he has local support, but I, I to me that just Raimondo isn't. It doesn't seem interested in local support at this point. She's looking national uh, and probably at this starting to seem uh, she's looking national in a way that doesn't require Rhode Islanders to like her anymore. Uh, so meaning Congress or the Senate. Uh, so if she loses some local support because she's she's not backing somebody that people like locally, I don't think that's going to be any skin off her career in the future. I think you're right, Justin Katz. And, uh, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. I think in, in many ways, she likes to be with the candidate Governor Munder, to me, strikes her, you know, those that really know about her and know the inside um, and what she's really all about, she certainly seems, you know, she may try to be not modest, but she certainly seems, uh, sees herself, fancies herself as, as a level above the rest. And, and whether it's, you know, her education, uh, her wealth, the money she made as venture capitalist, but sees herself in a level above, I think the attraction of Bloomberg, the fact that she would be the only one locally really with him. Um, and I think it's in, in many ways, if you're her, from what we understand, a, a big part of being a co-chair. I was speaking about this over the weekend with some people. Huge part of that is if you want to be the co-chair of a campaign, for instance, whoever it may be for Biden or Warren or the rest of them. One of the the top things that they ask of you, if you want to be, quote, one of the co-chairs of the campaign, is they start to assign, here's how much money you have to raise. With Bloomberg, there's no heavy lifting. He's self-funding everything. So you don't have that. From what I understand, she negotiated that she would do the endorsement if she could be a co-chair, not just, you know, hey, here's my endorsement. She negotiated and wants to be active. She wants to be involved she wants to be on television many times in some of the battleground states people don't realize it here but when you are a co-chair or a surrogate uh those people every single day you're doing interviews on radio stations or television stations in pennsylvania in uh north carolina certainly in florida michigan ohio all of the so-called battleground states so it gives Governor Raimondo exposure in that way. And I have always thought when she turns on the TV and sees Congressman David Cicilline on Tucker Carlson or Fox or MSNBC or CNN, she always thinks, like, I could do that. I should be doing that. You know, maybe he's her peer, but I think she even sees him above that. I think um, it just shows when it comes down to it, brass tacks, Justin Katz, as much as Raimondo talks about I'm first female governor and we need to support women, and she was all in on Hillary, and her and her daughter, Cece, sat down with the journal to you know, record history of watching the first female president elected and, and the governor for the day. All of that, to me, it, it just shows, it's just all talk with her. When it comes down to it, at her heart, Governor Gina Raimondo is is. And it's what you and I have, and we've always seen evolve over since she became governor. It's it's just all about her. It's always been about her. When she goes to some of these conferences and meet these people, and she's like, oh, you know, I was pitching Rhode Island. 
It's not true. She 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 is one brand that she pitches, and it's that she pitches Governor Gina Raimondo. Certainly, and I, I think um, the what she she does have a, a talent for bringing out sort of the hidden truth of political reality. So we tend to get caught up in, oh, why she's endorsing Bloomberg because of these policies and that political posture and this and that. But in a large respect, I think it's it's just a, a job choice. And if, if you look at it in those terms, it starts to make a lot of sense. As you say, as co-chair and also given the amount of money he's able to pour into this, it opens up doors for her. So she can she'll, she's going to be in all these battleground states talking with groups who will remember her you know, going forward she'll she'll be able to add to her rolodex uh and that's a big that's a big help also i mean even if uh, somebody like mike bloomberg i mean the guy's a, a corporate empire got a corporate empire so even if there's also the side li- sideline of maybe i get out of politics and i go work for mike bloomberg in the future there's there are all those kind of possibilities so if you're if you're trying to think of a career move you say all right this particular venture, Governor of Rhode Island, is about to end. What am I doing next? There's a lot of opportunity there with Bloomberg, and I, I think that's the that's probably the, the reality of it. It's just the pure political careerism uh, that we're seeing there, uh, and and they're they're not exactly out of step ideologically. So it's not as if you know she's she's dropping out to be a co-chair for Trump or something like that. So exactly. I, yeah. I, I, it, I think she said it was an easy call, and I think all of these things played into it. I mean, he, she called once called him her political idol for, for some strange reason. Uh, he's got a lot of money, and he's going to give her an opportunity to go around and support herself along That's right. with him. So, yeah, I'm sure it is an easy call. The question is, you know, should it have been an easy call for the governor of Rhode Island to say, all right, I've got... I've got a few years left as governor. Let me now direct all my attention That's to right. around the country. Yep. That's exactly right. Now, uh, folks, and again, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro. I speak with Justin Katz, managing editor for OceanStateCurrent.com. One, one last note about Bloomberg. Someone mentioned this to me just the other night. When you break down, just to give people an idea of the type of wealth we're talking about, he plopped down $35 million on a television buy, and someone sat down and figured out uh, with his wealth, which is somewhere between fifty to sixty billion, that thirty-five million that he wrote the check for for a television buy in some of these states, gearing up for Super Tuesday, the way it was explained is um, it would be the equivalent of the average American spending thirty-nine dollars. Yeah, definitely adds some perspective. <laughs> think of that. Yeah, if you think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna invest. You know, I've, I've got a little side job as a. For software development or some contracting gig, I'm going to buy a local newspaper ad for 39 bucks this week. <laughs> That's about the equivalent. That's exactly right. Now, uh, Justin, as we speak this week, the grand jury that's been reported, a uh, grand jury has been summoned to investigate Speaker Mattiello at the convention center. Now, I'm just going to go off what we know, what has been reported. To me, the two outlets that have been uh, the most on this uh, sourced uh, and everything else, I'm not going to go in with various rumor, but what we know is that a grand jury has been summoned. You have uh, the chief of staff, Leo Skenyon. He received a subpoena. You have Frank Montanaro, who's his right-hand man, Mattiello, his, uh, who runs at GCLS. He has been subpoenaed. And then at least four people that we know of from the convention center and the convention center authority. So those are just six that we know of. There could be others as well. Uh, Speaker Mattiello has not received a subpoena. By all accounts, he is, in fact, the target of uh, the grand jury. It's, it's moving very quickly. Um, it's, it's taking place this week. I found it very unusual that... Out of nowhere, Attorney General Peter Narona summoned the media and wanted to have an on-the-record conversation as much as he could about different things. He wanted to make a statement clear that he's, quote, never running for governor. Uh, he allowed them to ask various questions and so forth. But um, just what, what are your thoughts as it's going to remain an unknown, but just the fact that by all accounts... This is not just business as usual, water under the bridge. That's the way it's done. There, there is either already been seated or a grand jury that is going to hear testimony um, this week on the actions of House Speaker Nick Mattiello. 
that, yeah, that, I mean, this is definitely a, a milestone in in any investigation. Uh, we we're, we're at the point now where you can't just say, okay, the the prosecutors looked at this and said, there's nothing at all here. So we'll put that aside. So so we we know there's at least enough there to be looking into um, into it and and you know, drawing some attention, which I'm sure there's some sensitivity to among prosecutors dealing with public officials is if they start issuing subpoenas, that becomes a, a, a political story and that, that has real effects. So I'm sure that wasn't done lightly. Uh, what we don't know is what exactly they're expecting to find uh, and what they are finding. That's the, those, as they take the next steps, uh, we'll start to get a better sense of, of how much there is really there. I, and on that note, though, I mean, it's almost not surprising. We, uh, those of us who are who are watchers of, of Rhode Island governor, government and and, uh, and skeptical watchers of it figure that if you if you do a serious investigation of just about anything in the state, you'll find something uh, corrupt. And so that's that's where we are with this. And I think I think time will tell what what comes out of it. The four from the convention center and. and Three, two from uh, Madale's office that we know of being subpoenaed. There, there is some. I mean, there, there are multiple stories that have been reported about, you know, what happened, who's, who's initiated what. Uh, so it's possible uh, that they're they're trying. Well, the, the Madale camp appears to be trying. Assuming there's something there, they're, what they're trying to say is that we received a list of problems with the convention center. And so that that's that defense is a little bit telling on on that they do suspect there there is some vulnerability here uh and as we discussed I think it was last week audits are a, a known weapon uh or at least people suspect that they're a weapon often used in Rhode Island government and politics and so it, it's it's striking a lot of nerves there and so I could I could see why a, a grand jury would would want to gather information and and not just write things off as if there's there's no possibility of a of a crime. A couple things about that. From what I understand, the type of audit that they ordered, and there is a private company, ASM. They're actually the ones that operate the dunk and operate the convention center. You do have a convention center quote authority because it's a quasi public agency, but you have a private company, and the type of audit that Mattiello ordered with Montanaro through, through JCLS, through that Dennis Hoyle, um, would, would basically cost about $50,000. So there is a monetary value to, in fact, ordering the audit. Um, a couple of thoughts, though. Do you think that there would even be a grand jury if we still had Attorney General Peter Kilmartin or even his predecessor, Patrick Lynch? And I'd also like your thoughts on this story really kind of came to life when we heard that, you know, the state police and Channel 12 responded to the state house, where we learned that they were ripping out the JCLS Joint Committee Legislative Services office. Uh, they claimed that there was black mold. That was their claim. Oh, we have to rip everything out and move everything someplace else and all workers out of there and all files and everything because somebody spotted black mold. And what I don't think received enough attention was when it was tested, it turned out that there was no black mold. So initially, Speaker Mattiello was saying, I just hope the troopers that were checking the dumpster, I hope they were okay because you don't want to go near that. The, the statements that Mattiello, Montanaro, that they were making to the state police about, oh, there was black mold, we had to rip everything out, that, that has been debunked. There was no black mold. There was no reason to tear that office apart, which leads me that there's another a whole nother motive here. But I'd like your thoughts on on uh, if this were other G, uh, attorney generals and also the, the fact that 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 was proven to be a lie and not true because there was a company that tested. There was no black mold and there was no reason to rip apart that office and throw everything out and blah, 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 and relocate everything, ship everything else um, that basically was all fabricated well to answer the first part i think a lot of things had to be in place for this to get any any legal play i think the the new attorney general who so far has been been proving that he is he is different from his predecessors uh in 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 not i mean they 
the cop on Kilmartin especially was he was there to protect the insiders. That's what what people who people outside of, of government perceive to have been the case. Narone is very different in that he's not that guy, at, at least by any indication we've seen so far. Um, so that has to be in place. Plus, you have to have this tension, I think, between uh, the governor and the speaker um, and other uh, other political factions in state government. Otherwise, you don't get the convention center fighting back and saying, oh, yeah, we want an investigation of your audit. Uh, that's another thing is that that dynamic of having having a split government, so to speak, uh, has contributed to this. And that could that kind of unusual circumstances in Rhode Island, at least in our recent history. So you could see the speaker and, and his team, Montanaro and the rest, making bad decisions, such as let's clean out JCLS right now, uh, because it's kind of an unusual situation that they that they can't control in a way that I think speakers and, and all and you know, the top tier of political insiders in Rhode Island have been able to control for, for a long, long time. So it, it's unique circumstances, and that's when you get you get errors, uh, potentially, like uh, an unneeded renovation of an office. Uh, but if there was no mold, I mean, uh, it is kind of a, it seems, it does seem like a, a kind of an easily falsifiable or, or, or easy, easy to find out that your claim for why you, you ripped that up was not true. It just, if, if it is a cover of it, it seems it's almost a, an indictment of their ability to, to cover things up. And right. that was their excuse. I mean, there's, there's so many other ways to make documents disappear that are less, less visible than putting a dumpster in the, the parking lot and throwing out everything from a room uh, it, for a reason that you know is going to be proven false. Well, there, there were no documents in the dumpster. The way it was explained to me was, see, now all files, everything, uh, computer disks, files, everything has to be moved somewhere else because you're going to clean out the office. And many times uh, we see this with, you know, Board of Elections. Suddenly they find a, a box of ballots that had gone missing. Uh, that who's, who's really in charge? Who's really in control? Ship those up. If there's ever files that are missing, it's very easy to then come back and say, oh, well, somehow they must have been misplaced somewhere when we had to empty out the office. I, I never believed that they were going to be thrown in the dumpster. But I think, Justin Katz, and this can't be underestimated, that it shows the level of Mattiello and his top three, um, Montanaro and Leo Skenyon, and Larry Berman was also a question with that, <coughs> that the, the, the level that they're willing to go to, that you would, and there's no other way to describe it, there was no black mold. So for them to fabricate, we have to rip out the office put all new flooring, wood, uh, offices, for everything has to be thrown out. It, in order, if you're willing to do that, I think that speaks volume, volumes of what's involved here. Because in hindsight now, um, there was no reason to rip out the rug. There was no reason to rip out the flooring. There was no reason to have a dumpster and furniture and everything else. So I think it really highlights, you know, what are you hiding the fact that the state police went in and could see there were no files in the dumpster, just the rugs, furniture, everything else they were throwing out, ripping it just out of nowhere. They just go in and start ripping apart the office. Oh, all this stuff has to go. But it also shows that they can't claim that maybe some files or computer disks or anything else got thrown out by accident because the state police have already viewed the dumpster. So then it would become... What happened to them? And if you remember, you know, years ago, um, there was a situation with uh, Buddy Cianci and somebody tipped off that there was, I forget how much, but a huge amount of cocaine missing from the Providence Police Department evidence room. Now, what happened was some rogue cop allegedly took it out of there. They were going to sell it. And that goes on far more than people realize. Um and tipped off the media. It was Bill Malinowski, the journal, got wind of it. And it was a huge, they had to rummage through. And then they, they did come up with, quote, some bag of cocaine. And CNC called the press conference. But, but my point is that in this situation, a lot of times the, the mold seemed to be cover for something down the line that should someone be asked, what do you think happened to the files? 
you have your cover story of, well, they must have been somehow, you know, lost when we had to empty out the entire office. Right. Well, I, I wasn't suggesting that the dumpster would have been where they would dispose of the documents, but I'm okay. it's, a visi- it's a visible thing. Yes. I mean, of all the ways to make a document or two disappear, <laughs> ripping everything out of a room and putting it in a dumpster in a parking lot is, is, a, is kind of a visible way. And if you know if you know it's a pretense about mold, then which you would have to if if, if they were you know lying about it, to know that and that you will soon have a test result that says no mold, you did this for no reason. Uh, I mean, there, it just seems like a very dramatic way to go about displacing some documents if that's the case. Which I mean could indicate just a complete bumbling, but it could also indicate that maybe there's something even bigger than yes. you know, a, a secret audit or. A, yep. a, a, a revenge audit of the CCA, uh, the, the Convention Center Authority, um, because that's, I mean, that that's a relatively minor thing, which there's a pretty clear, you know, he said, she said, chart, you, path you can chart through that to avoid any real criminal danger. Uh, I would I would imagine, not knowing any of the details of what would actually have happened. But, well, they, they uh, have a budget of $46 million, And if you want to make some files or computer disks disappear, the first question would be, well, where are they? So now you need a legitimate, viable, uh, plausible excuse of where they could be. Where are the files in the missing disks? Um, well, they they got robbed. That doesn't make sense. They were damaged somehow. That doesn't make sense. They were misplaced when we had to clean out the office because there was a mold problem. We had to throw everything out. They must have been misplaced. That could be a plausible explanation of what happened to missing files and computer disks. That's the way it was explained to me. Yeah, well, yeah that that is a, a story that that makes some sense. But what just strikes me is just how how big of a cover story yes. that be. I mean that that's not that's not just I mean just if we could sit down over a, over a coffee or a beer and, and think of three dozen ways to come up with an excuse that some disc isn't where you thought it would be uh, that don't involve ripping out the carpets of an office and putting them in a dumpster outside. Uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty, which if, if it is a big cover of it, it indicates either that this, the story is a lot bigger than, than anybody knows right now or potentially, and they're hoping nobody finds out how big it could be, or they're... They're just—they've seen too many movies, and they're just—it's just a level of incompetence at, at being sneaky that uh, would be would be one for the record books in Rhode Island. Well, let me ask you—not to put you on the spot, Justin Katz—but what, what is what you would consider a legitimate excuse if suddenly people were trying to find? Because Blake Filippi then challenged them in court. If if someone was trying to find some files and documents and they were missing. Not to, again, not to put you on the spot, but what would be a plausible defense of where they were? Well, it, I mean, that's where it gets. It depends on on what we're talking about. If if the aside aside I mean, from it, the mold thing to, in the office being moved, let's just think about it. What would be an explanation of why files or computer disks are missing? Well, again, it, it, it depends what what the files are. So if if we're talking about I mean, so far in the story, what we're talking about, it sounds like, is is a list of, of problems with the convention center. Mattiello claims that his friend Demers. No, no, no. And that, that's that's, what, that's not that's not what we're talking about. That that's what they were claiming. You have to understand the the JCLS records are that that is all the spending of the forty six million yeah. that they control in their budget. That that separate that list that they fabricated, saying he came up with a list that. That, that, all right, that, that could be in there, but what I understand is more damaging is, for instance, that $1 million that was scheduled to go to that doctor on Park Avenue, for instance, that would be within the records of the JCLS. It's, it's really the $46 million and where a lot of that money goes and raises and people that could be receiving money that we're even unaware of. Um, those are the... You know, that, that's what seemingly is frightening is the fact that there's no general accounting for that budget of $46 million. That's, that's why no one knew that that doctor was receiving $1 million a year. 
Right. Well, but that's what I'm saying. If it was just a the one document, that would be easy to come up with a way to make that disappear. I put it on a desk. It wasn't there when I came back. Oh, okay. But so that that's an indication that there must there. If it's all a cover up, there there must be something really huge. And if it's if it's that this little item here, this audit thing, was was going to be the excuse for the the state police to be going through all their files, and that was terrifying to them because it's a such a big budget that with very little transparency, if, if that was the concern, then that would start to justify this dramatic um, dramatic, dramatic way of, of hiding uh, what was going on. So, so I, my takeaway is if, if it's all trying to hide something, we're not talking about you know, a threat of an audit anymore. We're talking about really the whole ball of wax um, probably going back decades where you suddenly, you've got to have something so big that it's worth Let's let's deal with headlines for weeks about a dumpster in a parking lot and a fake talk, conversation about mold, because it's that important that we make certain things disappear. I mean, that that's the kind of level we'd, we'd have to be talking about. Right. And so far, there's I haven't seen news indicating that. Um, and you'd think they'd start subpoenaing a lot more people than a few people at in Mattiello's camp and at, at the convention center authority. Um, that might be an indication to watch for is if the subpoenas start to expand and we start asking ourselves, why would you ask, you know, this, this guy from Cranston, why would you subpoena him? That makes no sense. If we start having coming up with those things, then we'll start to get a better indication of where it's all going. Yeah. It's just a lot of times in these things, if you step back and I spoke to someone in law enforcement about this and they reminded me of, if you remember after the station nightclub fire, suddenly we got word that the state police were raiding the home of one of the Dadarian brothers because they believe that's where they kept documents regarding the club. Um, you go back to the 80s with Cianci when state police stepped in because there was word that, you know, they were shredding documents inside. But just a regular office, if, if somehow law enforcement or someone shows up to someone's office and they say, you know, we want to see the files. Um, during Operation Plunodome, when that first broke, the FBI was uh, seen going to the school department, and they wanted to get records and files. They went to City Hall. They wanted to get records and files. If if someone were to say, we'd like to see the files on uh, blah, 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 this type of thing, short of there was a fire or someone was terminated and took them with, it, it's not something you could easily just say, well, they're missing, because it would be, uh, you know, where, where would they be? There was even a going back to when the Clintons were in the White House and there were the missing files that Hillary said suddenly she say, found one day. So missing files never sound good. You need the plausible deniability. Um, the idea that, well, the reason they're missing is because there was a mold problem. We had to clean out the office. Uh, somehow they got misplaced. You know, they're not missing. They're just misplaced somewhere. Anyone that's ever moved... Um, I mean, I, I've moved with the Packers come and everything else and you're in your new house... And suddenly you can't find, like, where's the box that has whatever it is that you're looking for? It's just it's just one of those things. You can't keep track of everything. Let me ask you this, though, Justin Katz. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Political Monday. If Mattiello, and to me, I just don't think if you're Peter Narona, I, I just don't think you go down this path if it's not going to result in an indictment. I think they have enough information on what they've gotten so far. It's going to be very narrow, and it could be a single count. That's what they got Brit on. Single count felony money laundering. I believe it's going to be a, a political, you're a political figure, and it's, it's an act of extortion uh, with the threat about, you know, if they do this with Demers, I'm going to stick an enema up there behind. And then they, they did suspend him, and he did order the, um, the audit, which basically, from what I understand, would cost about, it's like you just gave them a penalty of $50,000. In your opinion, can Speaker Mattiello remain as Speaker if, in fact, he is indicted? Well, I think I, I think once the indictment comes down, it's, you know, it, it, that alone is a sign that, that you've got to, you're not going to be effective in an office like Speaker of the House. And so, so even just as a, even if nothing comes of it, to hang on, and we saw that in Providence recently with uh, one of the members of the city council. If you're trying to hang on after you've been indicted, even for a small thing, it just doesn't work because you need credibility, and you 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 lose that once you're indicted. So I, th I think an indictment ends a speakership. I, I agree with you, and he's being defiant. 
and he's telling people that he plans to fight it. But I think this is one of those things. There's there's already people um, uh, lining up. Have you heard or want to share any names of the names that you're hearing of people that are already behind the scenes being looked at as the next speaker? No, I have I have not. I think it's going to be a. It, it'll be an interesting. I mean, the obvious. The three names, Sakachi, he's one. The other two to watch that already are circling is um, is uh, uh, Bob, uh, Craven from North Kingstown. He's already in, in the hunt. And then the other name that's interesting is Labor's already lining up behind. There's that guy from uh, Rep from East Providence. He's a high school teacher. He's a big union guy, uh, Greg Amori. Those are the three names that I've seen emerge. And I, I think that if Mattiello is speaker... It would it would crumble very very quickly. I think within seventy two hours. I mean, you saw Gordon Fox. They raided his house and state house office. He he was. They, they stay as rep. They stay as a rep. But just you you just you can't be the speaker and govern. You're just not going to have that type of allegiance. Before I let you go, Justin Katz, I'm just curious your thought that we've seen. Uh, you know, Providence Journal talked about, you know, in, I think the uh, editorial they have, impeachment disaster is the way they called it. Um, impeachment was a disaster. It didn't lead anywhere. You've seen that it, it allowed um, President Trump, I think Team Trump raised $125 million during the course of the impeachment. The base is energized. There is talk now that Republicans may take back the House. What is your thought on the fact that Congressman David Cicilline Potentially, and he was one of the people pushing for the impeachment. Um, what repercussions should he get? And do you think enough has been done by the local media to kind of um, to kind of go to him, or is he getting a free pass in the aftermath of this failed impeachment? I, I think David Cicilline walks walks around with a free pass in Rhode Island politics, and I, I don't. So I, I, I don't see any. Any repercussions actually happening? I don't see anybody holding him. I don't. I don't see a. I don't see the likelihood of a tough interview with him saying, "Well, you backed this. Wasn't it all a big waste of time?" I mean, the latest, if you search for David Cicilline impeachment, the latest big thing is that President Trump retweeted an, an obvious, you know, kind of a basic uh, online video of somebody who had spliced in a picture of Pelosi ripping up the, the State of the Union in a speech with every tearjerker story of, that the president told about the people he had invited to attend. And David Cicilline is out there fighting the fight to have these these major uh, tech companies ban this video because it's misleading information. I mean, that's, it's so silly, but he'll get away with it because nobody's going to cover that. I mean, if you if you watch this morning, I uh, former Representative Bob Lancia announced for a second uh, run for a Congress, congressional second district in Rhode Island. And the, some of the media coverage is, is trying to link him to Donald Trump for no reason. Uh, so, that, I mean, that's the environment in which in which David Cicilline operates. And he knows it, which is why he, he's allowed to get away with this kind of thing. But it, there should be some, you know, you guys just you guys just wasted years investigating, months with the whole impeachment thing. And now David Cicilline's big line is, oh, the only thing remaining is to hold him accountable in November. Well, that's that was always the way to hold the president accountable. Right. That's right. an election. And we, so we went through all this divisive, tearing up the country stuff. You would think the congr- congressman would be asked about it. He won't be because the people who would ask him, or uh, who he would let ask him, are not they're, they're, they thought, think it was all worthwhile because they're, you know, it's system, systemic never-Trumpism, basically. I think you're right. And also, he, um, I, I would even go so far as to say, I think one of the motivating factors for Congressman Cicilline that he was pushing in the House impeachment is because I, I thought he, I think he um, felt very good about his chances of being one of the House managers that were going to go on the Senate trial. So it was his, his self-serving uh, goal to then get on the national stage even more. I think that was driving a lot of his his anxiousness and ambition to try to push this forward. And then when it didn't happen, he was one of the people that was behind the scenes, beating the drum, Nancy Pelosi, we need to impeach, we need impeachment, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I also think that... You know, she now is uh, that tearing up the speech and everything else. It just shows them in, in total disarray. Folks, he is the managing editor for OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job, and we'll talk to you again.
Thank you, John. It was a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right, folks. There it is. Justin Katz joining us. Now, coming up at one, we have uh, the press person for the Trump campaign. Good afternoon, one and all. It is I, it is Juan. Uh, he's going to join us coming up at one. Again, folks, in case you're just tuning in, I will be at, I was invited by the campaign. I will be at the uh, Trump rally tonight in New Hampshire. Very, very exciting. Uh, President Trump is, um, is just going to light it up. It is. Ola, let me say good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. There's Joe Roberts and there's Ryan and, uh, and everybody else. Folks, tomorrow, New Hampshire primary. The, uh, it is interesting right now. Tomorrow, you, to, after tomorrow's results, you may see former Vice President Joe Biden right now is polling fifth. Fifth. And he had that odd exchange with the, fem- the woman that was questioning him in I- and, uh, about the results in Iowa. And Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, who I, I just go on to say is just a total fraud. Elizabeth Warren may end up, um, she may finish fourth because Ma- Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who Governor Mundo despises because she's jealous of her, she may end up third. So right now, it seems to be the two people, the three people that are surging in Iowa. Actually, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is trying to hold on. He's always been strong in New Hampshire. But Mayor Pete, or as the Sanders people call him, Mayor Cheat, Pete Buttigieg, he is surging. He did well in Iowa. He is surging. And Amy Klobuchar, if she finishes third, that's big for her. 766-1380, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections, Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro, 766-1380, tomorrow, New Hampshire primary. The countdown is on. It is amazing. The past couple of days, the surge that has taken place. We'll talk about it a lot more coming up on the John DePietro Show. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well, if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal with T-Mobile for Business, 401-332-0000. Well, remember, if you're riding along, if you ever find yourself in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Kenny. It's Patricia. It's your vehicle. It's West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Did someone hit your car? Someone hit your vehicle? Let's get it fixed. Call West Fountain Auto Body today. 272-3340, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll handle everything for you. If you're ever in an accident or if you were, did someone damage your vehicle or maybe someone you work with, a coworker, or maybe a family member, call West Fountain Auto Body today. 272-3340, 272-3340 for West Fountain Auto Body. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Folks, for your business, you need staffing. Call MEGA Professionals today, 508-336-7801. 508-336-7801. MEGA 
professionals. If you need workers, drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, maybe local drivers, sleep at home, class A, B, non-CDL, warehouse workers. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled workers or labor or office professionals or maybe even in the healthcare industry. Call MEGA Professionals today, 508 336 serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. They're there to help. It's MEGA, M-E-G-A, Professionals, 508-336-7801. You are listening to The John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk, WNRI. All right, folks, and we're back on this Monday. Good afternoon, one and all. Here I am. It's Juan. Hello to everybody on Facebook Live. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. Do you need a good plumber? Do you have a plumbing emergency? You do? Call Quartz, C-O-R-T-E-S, Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today. Family-run business over 20 years. 401-714-8478. Repairs and maintenance. Bathroom remodeling, maybe a problem with a drain, any type of problem with a pipe. You need a reliable, dependable plumber called Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today. 401-714-8478. Victor Quartz is the best. Family-run business over 20 years. It's Victor Quartz, Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. 401-714-8478-401-714-8478. Quartz, C-O-R-T-S, Quartz plumbing of Cumberland. Well, folks, uh, good afternoon. This is coming up next hour. We're going to start off the hour. Kaylee McGinney, who is, um, happens to be the national press person for President Trump. We're going to talk to her coming up right at one. Kaylee McGinney, who is the national press secretary for President Trump 2020 campaign. And then uh, tomorrow, folks, we'll have full coverage regarding the uh, situation with the, the New Hampshire primary. Right now, it is incredible what's happening. And that is, I mean, tomorrow, or excuse me, Wednesday, by Wednesday, the Biden campaign could be over. And Elizabeth Warren campaign could be over. And I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to, you know, leave the race. But both of them are really on life support right now. And how about this? Former Vice President Joe Biden, who was seen as he was the front runner. He was absolutely the front runner. He may finish fifth. In the New Hampshire primary tomorrow night, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, she was counting on either winning the New Hampshire primary or coming in second. The Elizabeth Warren team thought that either they were going to win or she was maybe going to come in second to Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren may finish fourth tomorrow in New Hampshire. I don't see how either campaign credibly continues. Because that's when uh, the money starts to dry up. That uh, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who is, you know, one thing about Amy Klobuchar, she is the only one. If you watch the debate the way I did on Monday, on uh, Friday night on ABC, she's the only one when they asked basically the whole stage, uh, who here is against socialism? She is the only one that raised her hand. Biden didn't raise his hand. That Mayor Pete, he doesn't take a stand on anything. He didn't raise his hand. Amy Klobuchar did, and that has rocketed her up the middle. She is a problem for former New York Mayor Mike Bloomberg. Because right now, she does well. A third-place finish for her in New Hampshire gives her money, gives her visibility, gives her momentum. As then you, the two races before Super Tuesday are the Nevada caucus, and then the South Carolina primary. And that could be the last stand for Biden. All right, stay tuned. The power hour is next. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have the uh, spokesperson for the Trump campaign coming up. It's John DePietro. Stay with me right after the news. When our eye, when socket, W236CW, W260DC. W-A-R-I. 